Yours will be the only name that matters to me, the only one whose favor I see. Yours will be the friendship and affection I need to feel my father smiling on me. The only name that matters to me. Yours is the name, the name that has saved me. Your mercy and Stronger, the King of Glory. 
Thank you for that. As they're exiting, I just want to thank everybody who took part in the barbecue. Uh, unless you work it, uh, you really don't understand the amount of time and labor that goes into this. Uh, it's uh, only 
uh, just a few people truly understand uh, what, what is involved in something like this. It's, it doesn't start just a week before, but it starts uh, weeks uh, prior with purchasing and getting all the sauce ready, and, and Herbie and Pam have just uh, nailed it. I mean, over and over every year, and uh, Bill getting all the cookers uh, lined up. Um, I just letting you guys know that uh, with all the wind and the cold, we would have still been cooking all the way through the day through two nights. And so that there's somebody that sits up uh, all night with this barbecue. I want you to understand, and then and then closes out about eight the next night. So you know you're seven thirty Friday morning all the way through eight or nine. Uh, the following night, there's somebody here. We had a group of great young people, volunteers that came out. And so I just want to thank you uh, very much uh, for this. And so um, thank you for all the, the hard work and each, that you've poured in year after year. Thank you for supporting this. Uh, it's, a, it's a really big deal. And uh, thank you f- so much for everything that you, that you contribute. Um, I also want to just say this, too that uh, as we start Grief Share tomorrow, for those who are attending that, uh, if you have attended another one, uh, would you bring your book with you, uh, your, your past book? And so that would help on, on cost and different things. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. Make sure you're praying about that. If you haven't signed up yet, you want to get involved in that, just go to our website and you can click on Grief Share. It will send you to the proper place and it will send me a notification and I'll take care of getting you approved and all that. But uh, looking forward to that starting up. Uh, on the 14th, and so uh, they'll start right on time, uh, and then they'll, they'll finish right when they say they're going to finish. We don't, we don't, you, you don't have to worry about um, it being really long or going over, but we, we're, we're very sensitive to uh, your time uh, for this. Last week, we, we were, I started talking about the importance of getting into the Word of God, and I, I talked about His power and, and, and why we should. And so I want to close out today by talking about, does the Bible actually teach about Christians having a daily devotion? Is there such thing? Does the Bible actually go through? Do we see people that, that has done this? I hope this past week has been more successful for you in getting to the Word. I hope God has, has encouraged your heart and uh, you've seen. And, and then once you get into it, you're like, man, I've got to have more. I've got to have more. I've got to have more. Sometimes you turn off the, the radio and you, maybe you turn on uh, somebody preaching that, that can be trusted. And so what I want to look at today is not just does the Bible say this, but, not, but I want to teach you how. All right, Because we can say all we want, hey, just read, just read, just read. But how do you do it? How do I do it? So what is it that I do that, that helps me? And so that's what I want to teach today. How does the Bible kind of lay this out for us? And it does. It has a plan about how we're going to spend time with him. All right. So the Bible definitely teaches private devotions. All right. We see men of God, women of God that were noted for having a devotion time with God in their life. We see Isaac. He meditated in the field in the evening time. Genesis 24, 63. He says, Isaac went out to meditate in the field towards the evening. And what does it mean to meditate? You know, we hear this word a lot. Meditate, meditate, meditate. It means this. It means to commune. All right, so when you're driving home today from church and you're going to be talking to your spouse, you're meditating, you're communing with one another. You're talking to one another. But not only does the word, it's interesting, in the Hebrew here, it doesn't mean just to talk. It also means to complain some. 
It means to say, I don't understand this. Would you help me understand this? There's going to be times with God where you're saying, I don't know what you're doing. You know, there's a lot of people right now going through tremendous amount of stress and sickness with their families. We were up at Baptist, uh, Diana Santos' um, mother-in-law, Alfredo's mother, Anastasia. They just found cancer uh, throughout her, her organs. And they've given her just some days to live. There's people going through a lot right now, and so, and you're talking to God, and you're saying, God, I don't understand why this is taking place in my life. I don't understand why I'm going through this. And so, Isaac steps out, and he's communing with God. We also see David. He prayed and meditated at nighttime. When I remember you in my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. How many of you lay in your bed at night, and you're getting ready to go to sleep, or maybe when you wake up in the morning, and you're just praying? And you're just praying. How many of you have been praying and all of a sudden you wake up and it's daytime, right? You just, you just woke up and you're like, man, I fell asleep. But you're, you, you're going to bed talking with God. And that's what David is doing here. He's just he's, he's communing. God, this is what I'm going to I'm going to teach you even how to do that. What does that look like? We see Daniel. You remember Daniel. And when the king put out the, the decree, he says, nobody can pray anymore. You know, you can't do it. And so the first thing Daniel did, he went. He went back to his house. He opened the door and he kneeled down three times a day. And he did what? He prayed. And so I'm going to tell you, the Bible teaches a consistent, a constant state of prayer. It doesn't mean you have to be praying all the time. That would be impossible. It means an a attitude of talking with the Lord, all right? And so a lot of times people are say, you know what, I'm a believer, but I don't ever pray. I don't ever talk to God, and, you know, my Savior. And so Jesus also, Jesus, who is God, also had a time with God. We see this in... Um, Jesus sought him in the morning, and he sought him late at night. Look at Mark here. And in early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went away to a secluded place, and he prayed for a time. When he was seeking the Lord, he was asking him, what should I do? And he was praying for his disciples, and he was praying for the, for the nation of Israel. He's praying for their, their hearts to turn back. And he got up, and he went out because it was quiet. Not only that, we see him in Luke I may need some help here. It's kind of locked up, Chad. We find this in Luke. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Now it was at the time that he went off to the mountain. He prayed. He spent the whole night in prayer with God. What does it say? He spent the whole night in prayer with God. How many of you have ever, not lifting up your hands, have ever prayed through the entire night? You just prayed. And you cried. And you sung. You prayed all night long. I was at Ridgecrest at a, a pastor's conference, and uh, the pastor did a, an entire message on Luke six twenty two. And he was he was talking about people that are going into a constant state of prayer, but also praying all night long. What would drive somebody to pray all night? You know, somebody first of all that really believed that prayer worked. But second of all, somebody that is going through something in their life and they're begging God. They're crying out to God saying, God, I need you. I need this. I need this. God, I want to pray for this person, this individual, this soul. When's the last time we've cried over somebody's soul? That you know that this person is going to enter into a real living hell. But not only this, he also counseled his disciples to pray in secret. 
The reason he said, he's saying this verse right here, but as for you, when you pray, go into your inner, inner room and close the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. The reason, he says, get away and pray alone. Get where nobody can see you. The reason for that is because the Pharisees were going out into the busiest way and he was, they were going, oh God, I just want to ask you. You know, They were making a show of it so everybody can see. You know, don't forget, when you get at your dinner and you're in that restaurant and you're with people that are non-believers, don't be ashamed to stop and say, God, I just want to thank you for this food. You know what? Most people are reverent enough to say they don't even believe in God. They don't care anything about God. They're not believers, but they'll, they'll stop and they'll just put their head down and say, hey, I want to pray for this food. You're not trying to make a show. You're like, look, this is, I'm thankful for what God has given me with this attitude. And so Jesus says, there's going to be a time where you're going to openly pray, but also there's going to be a time where you should be in your closet. You should be alone. Some of that is when some of you drive a lot. And some of you, for that, that time alone, is when you're sitting behind that steering wheel and that windshield, and you're talking and communing with the Father. For some of you, it's literally getting away to your secret place. I have that here. I have a place here that I get away. It's my secret place where I can just get along with God. And so what is the purpose? Why do we have it? Number one is to draw near to God. I know the writing's a little bit small for those in the back. I apologize. But God is found by those who seek him. I want you to understand this passage right here. Look, David is advising his son Solomon. He says, look here. He says, if you seek God, you will what? You're going to find him. I want you to understand this. This, is, this principle right here is massive. I want you to think about those who have never heard the gospel before. You know, I preached this about two months ago. If they've never heard the gospel before, he says, but if they're seeking God, they're like, I know that there is a creator of this universe. I'm not going to deny this in my conscience. I don't know his name. I don't know who it is. The Bible says, if you seek him, you will find him i don't understand it i don't understand how they come we missionaries have talked about angels appearing in their dreams we talked about all that but the bible says that if you seek him you will find him so many people says i just don't know god's will and i don't know if god's really there but they're not spending any time seeking him we also see azariah said to king asa told king asa this he said the lord is with you when you are with him and if you seek him, you will what? You're going to find him. This promise is not just for these two individuals. This promise is for all those who believe in God. And it's also a promise for those who do not believe in God, but those who are seeking God. We see that God draws nigh to people who draws near to him. He says, come close to God and he's going to come close to you. There's times where you're saying this, I feel so far from God. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, me too. I feel so far from God. Why is it? Is it that God left or did we leave? There's a big difference. You know, when, when is it that I walked away from God? I often heard this. is people say, I, I, I walked away from God. Well, go back to the last place you left him. Go back to the very last place you left God. When's the last time that you have spent this time in the Word and getting in prayer? Where did you leave? Because if you walked away, it wasn't God. He didn't leave you because he says, I will never what? Leave you, nor I, will I forsake you. 
And so he says, if you draw near to him, he's going to come close to you. It's two people coming together, right? Not only this, why else we do it is because we receive spiritual nourishment. Some of you have already discussed where you're going to go to lunch today. By the way, we discussed where we were going to go to lunch yesterday for today, all right? If you raise your hand, you're like, I know where I'm going. Chris, stop talking about lunch because I'm already hungry. I, I know where I'm going to lunch today. I'm going to feed my physical body today. Matthew 4, 4 says this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Man, you and I are never going to be able to just live as believers off of physical food. He says you're going to have to have a spiritual food. You have a body, but you also have a soul and you have a spirit. And you're going to not only just feed the body, which, by the way, we're really good at feeding the body, aren't we? We're experts at feeding the body. People, they have made entire food network to teach us how to feed the body. But when it comes to feeding our spirit and feeding our soul, sometimes we falter with this. And we're like, well, that's not that important. But you see, the whole world is going, going astray. We see ourselves trying to pick ourselves back up over and over again. Why? Because... We're not feeding our whole body. There's three parts to the body, and we're only feeding one of them. But so it's going to provide strength. Look at Psalms 119. I love these verses. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? He says, by keeping it according to the word. I've treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. We're going to have, we got, and by the way, I was going to go through Ephesians 6 and putting on the armor of God. I said, no, 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 we understand the principle. There's, there's a breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. There is a battle taking place in our lives every day. If, if you don't understand the battle that's in our lives, you do not understand Christianity. Some of you can feel it. My wife and I were helping, um, it's called, was it called Judgment House? At Judgment House? At Vandalia. And I'll never forget, um, we were a part of that play and that drama. And we were, we were practicing and getting ready. It was, you know, a big, I, I, believe, I believe your mom got saved at, at one of those. And so we were praying and we were in this drama. And one of the last things we were supposed to do, we were to walk the gym and we were to pray for all those people coming in because it was strictly evangelistic. And you could feel, couldn't you? You could feel the oppression on us. The whole room was just thick with this battle. It was amazing. I thought if we had spiritual eyes to see what was going on, it was almost like you could just feel the demons and the angels fighting one another. I mean, it was crazy. We're walking around this gym. My wife and I walk out of, the, out of the door and we get into an argument when we step outside of that gym door. And I, I can't even tell you what it was about. And we both looked at each other immediately and said, do you know what this is? And we started talking about the oppression. We started talking about this is the battle that's taking place. Some of you in here, your spouse and you, you're in an argument right now. You left the house with an argument. Are you arguing yesterday? I want to tell you, that is not just a physical thing. That is a spiritual thing. 
that Satan hates your relationship with one another. We are going to have this. And he says, how are you going to keep your way pure? How are you going to fight these battles? Because you're constantly losing at these battles. He said that you can keep your way pure by keeping God's word in your heart. These verses coming to you, it's a battle. How many of you are bothered by what's going on in the world right now? You can raise your hand on this one. How many are bothered by seeing two million refugees trying to seek a bed? By the way, a floor elsewhere. How many of you are seeing these kids laying on concrete and their pillows are laying on the ground and they've, some of them have a sleeping bag, some of them do not? How many of you are bothered seeing these pregnant women that are being shelled, being carried out of this maternity ward? That we have a real instability right now in our world. In fact, I'm here soon. I'm, I'm getting ready to teach on the tribulation and just the, the three parts of the judgments. But I want you to understand what's taking place. Just recently, Putin was talking on camera and he said, I have a friend. And he grinned. And I was like, it was, it was evil. And I went, what, what is he talking about? So I started doing the research. You know, to the two armies that are now friends or allies, China and Russia. Do you understand they're going to come down from the north and attack Israel? Do you understand how close we are? Do you understand World War III is very possible right now? There is a lot of instability in our world and in our nation. You're seeing it with, with the gas, with the food. My wife and I were talking this week. You know, meat didn't go up $3. It went up $7. There's going to be a time where you're like, you know, how many of you, before you crank your car, you go, do I need to go here? We're at that point. Is there going to be an end? So we live in a world that has fear. We live in a world full of trouble. We live in a world that's turmoil. And some of you are like, I'm not turning on the news because I don't want to hear it. But I want to tell you, the end is coming near. It is here. It used to be growing up, well, I don't know, you know, they always talk about it happening in our lifetime. They always talk about it happening in our lifetime. It's here. It's among us right now. Philippians says, stop worrying. Wow. You understand James chapter 1? He talks about the same thing. Going through the trials of your faith, work with patience. Let patience have a perfect work when these people were being killed for their faith. Philippians here, written from prison, by the way. Don't worry. Stop being anxious. Stop being fearful. But you're going to have to replace that fear and that turmoil. You're going to have to replace it with something. What are you going to replace it with? He says, in everything, in by prayer and pleading and thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So as I'm praying to the Lord, this is, this is so specific. I'm, I'm crying out to God. God, this is going on in our country. This is going on in our church. This is going on in our family. And then he says, and, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. How many of you have experienced the peace? How many of you have ever experienced the peace where it was absolute disaster around you 
and it was okay. Yeah. Would you trade anything for that piece? No. Is there any amount of money that can buy that piece? No. But you wouldn't give anything for it. And you're sitting there going, thank you, God. That's why people at funerals, the George brothers have seen so many families in and out. And you see those who are an absolute disaster. And you see those who it's okay. Why? Because of the peace. Let me tell you. You want to know how you're going to get through all the turmoil and the fear and everything that's going on? It's through you and I on our knees, and God supplies it. Understand, you're not supplying this. Everything that's given to us is given to us through the Holy Spirit, and He does it. By the way, what did you do to get this peace? What did you do? You were praying, and all of a sudden, the peace comes onto you, and it's okay. I have a situation where I pray from a past experience where I need grace, you know, it's, it's not easy doing funerals. It's not easy doing, standing in front of people who are, families are bawling and you're getting, and you're, you're getting ready to lose this person. It's not easy. And this is what I pray. God, you remember when. That's all I pray. You remember when. The reason I pray that is because Early on, I was preaching my grandfather Hamilton's funeral, and it was like, my sister even said to me, man, you didn't cry? And we were close. I mean, he, he just his closeness. But when it was over at the committal, and I said amen, I remember stepping away from my wife, and I remember taking off running, and I dove behind the largest gravestone I could find. And I lost it. I was, like, hollering screaming, crying. I just, <gasps> guys, it was like God stepped in and he pulled that grace away. And that, that, the peace was there, but he pulled the grace that he'd give me to get through that. And when he pulled it, he said, it's your turn to mourn. It's your turn. But he did it so fast. And so I pray, you remember when? That's all I pray. I need that right now that grace that you gave me i need it and he has supplied it over and over and you're like wow it's you just going through this but then he reaches down boop. you don't need it right now you don't need that right now and so in your life you're going to need this peace and you're crying out to god and you're like i'm not getting up until i get this i need this in my life because not only that, we live in a world full of pitfalls and we're constantly trying to make sure we, we don't stumble. He says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Not only this, Psalms 119, 165. He says, those who love the law, your great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Understand that this is how we're going to achieve our peace in our life. The world is trying to supply a peace. The world has talked about peace. Do you know how many peace treaties have been signed in our world? And all of them are junk. There's no such thing as a man that's going to sign a peace treaty. So how do you do it? Now this is where we get to the practical. Pastors often preach, do this, do this, do this. But how? How? Well, I'm going to give you some suggestions for this coming week. 
and as you start applying, because some of you may have got into the word this week, and you're like, okay, I understand we got to get to the context and all this, but I'm just trying to find my groove here. What does it look like? So everybody's going to have a different time and place. I'll never forget, I was sitting in a chapel at Pensacola, and the pastor got up and he says, if you do not have your devotions in the morning time, you're not right with God. And I went, what? What did he just say? Now, this was, not, this was a, a visiting pastor. That, by the way, that was the last time he had ever been brought in again. So, some of you are night owls. Some of you have no problem standing up to 1, 2 a.m. And so, the children are in bed, and that's when you have your time. It's at night, because that's when it is. Look, but, but some of you, you're morning people. I'm usually up by 3 a.m. every morning because I go to bed at 8.45 at night. If you don't, if I don't answer my phone after 9, I'm going to tell you I'm gone, all right? But I will call you at 3, all right? I have no problem with that. In fact, I text, somebody called me at 9.17 this week, and I texted them back at 2.30. So, but they didn't respond, so I was upset. For some of you, it's early in the morning because nobody has moved yet. It's quiet. And some of you, are like, some of you night hours, I mean, some of you people that are not morning people, you're like, in the morning, I'm lucky to get to my car and get to work in the morning, right? But some of you that are morning people, you know, some of you hate morning people because they're bubbly and happy and ready to go. And, but that's when they have it. The key, though, is to find your time with no distractions. That's the key. Some of you get away at lunch, and you have your lunch by yourself because, honestly, you just don't want to talk to nobody. You've already talked to people all morning. you talk talked to people all afternoon. And you're just like, I just need some peace and quiet. Teachers are like that, right? Where you're like, I'm tired of talking. So you find your time alone, wherever that is. You've got a place at lunch and you're like, this is my spot. This is where I come. And I open up the word and I have this time of prayer. But you're going to have to find your time and place because if you do it at random spots, you're going to find that you're, you're not consistent. And you're like, I can't stay consistent because you don't have a consistent time and place. Not only this, the, the, time of, the place may be also for different people. So your place may be the same, but it's going to vary. That's what I'm trying to say. But the, Jesus teaches this, that your place may be outside. Listen to what he says. In Mark 1.35, and in the morning, rising up a great while before the day ever got started, he went out into a solitary place, and then he prayed. So Jesus is teaching us this. Look, go outside. Go outside. Go outside and have your time with the Lord. I don't know how many of you hunt in here. Some of you fish in here. Some of you do activities outside. For years, I have hunted in a tree stand. And I have taken my Bible and I've opened it up and I've read. But now with having our phones and having our, our, our time of our word here, reading chapters or just praying with the Lord, having that time of, uh, of solitude. Some people have a spot in the woods. Some people have a spot in their backyard. Some people also have a spot in their sunroom. It's kind of inside but outside. So the place is going to be different. Jesus says, hey, have it inside. Mark chapter 6. But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When you hear, shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. We looked at this first. He says, some of you may say, I want to be outside when I do this. Some of you are like, I, I can only be inside. It doesn't matter where the place is. Jesus teaches both. So don't let anybody tell you differently. 
But just develop a habit. Develop a time. Develop a place. And let it be consistent each and every day. So how do you do this? So what is it that we just, we just read a verse and then we kind of think about it? We read two verses. Remember I told you uh, that don't say how does this apply to me because it only applies one way. I mean, it's the, 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 what it means only, is only what it means. So the first thing we need to do when we're coming before the Lord and we're reading our scriptures is approach God in prayer. How do you pray? How do we pray? I think the Bible kind of lays out something for us here. I'm going to try to go through this. Number one, how many of you have been blessed in your life? How many of you have a place to live? Some of you have one car, two cars, three cars, four cars, and that's okay, but understand this. We're in the top 98% of the richest people in the world. And some of you are going, I'm not in that list. Oh, yes, you are. As you look at the blessings around you, I want you to think about the kids and your family that you have near you. I want you to think about your grandkids. I want to think about that you have a home to go home to. I want you to think about you have heat, you have air, that you wouldn't sleep in an apartment last night. Some of you are saying, you know what, what are your blessings? And, and Colossians says this, continue in prayer, watch in the same with thanksgiving. When they open up in prayer saying, God, I want to begin by saying thank you. I want to thank you for what you have done. I want to thank you for the people you've put around me. I want to thank you for the job that I had. I, I listened to about two minutes of the news this morning, and, and one of the announcers says, you know how blessed we are just to have a job. He said, I, we're blessed. If you have a job in here today, you should thank God for it. Everything around us, because you know what? We're not always going to have that. We're not always going to have our spouse sitting beside us. We're not always going to have our kids. Thank God for the blessings he's given you. Not only just in that, but also for your salvation. God, thank you for calling me. You didn't have to do that. Thank you for showing me that I need you. Thank you for drawing me. But the second thing is this, is confess. By the way, 1 John 1, 9 is only for the believer. If somebody says, okay, this is for the unbeliever. No, no, no. He's talking to Christians. So you know what this means? You and I are going to sin. Amen? We're going to. We're going to have inappropriate thought. We're going to have an inappropriate attitude. We're going to sin against God. We're going to sin against somebody else. Ultimately, all sin is against God. But he says this. He says, if we confess our sin, he's what? He's faithful and just to forgive us. I want you to understand the difference. When God convicts us of something, it's specific. It's not some broad thing. It's very specific, and you're going to know this is sin. Remember, the Bible says to know to him that knows to do right and doeth it not, it is sin. It's going to be very specific. You're going to have to confess it and say, God, I have sinned against you. Maybe you're going to have to call somebody on the phone and say, look, I said this to you yesterday. I did this to you. Some of you have a spouse that are sitting beside you right now or even your child, and you have sinned against them. You've had a bad attitude towards them. You've, you've said something to them that was not appropriate. There is nothing more humbling. I'll never forget that I had sinned against my daughter. and I, She was four years old, and I remember getting on my, on my hands and knees, and I accused her of something she didn't do. I really thought she had done it, and she was on. I didn't do it, and I got on my hands and I'm on my knee, and I said, I want to... I want to ask you to forgive me because I did this 
and I need your forgiveness. It's pretty awesome when your four-year-old throws their arms around you and say, Daddy, I forgive you. But it's a humbling thing for an adult to get on their knee and look in their child's eye and say, I did this against you. But you know what you're doing? You're teaching them that we're all sinners. And we're all in need of forgiveness. You know what they're going to do? They're not going to try to hide it. They're also going to come to you and say, Mama, Daddy, I sinned against you and I, I need your forgiveness. And so we need to confess our sin to God and say, God, this is, this is me. This is where I'm at right now, and I need your help. I cannot do this alone. I cannot break this alone. Help me. But not only this, we're going to see you're going to make supplication for your needs. Oftentimes, this is only the place we go right here. God, give me this. I need this. Philippians teaches, let your request be made known unto God. We see this in the scriptures. It's, 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 a, it's a principle. God, here's my needs. Financially, spiritually, Lord, this is what I need in my life. This is where I'm at right now. God, would you answer this prayer? God, this right here, my gas prices are going up. God, I can't afford this. Would you help me? Whatever it is. How many of you have seen it on paper not work out, but it worked out at the end of the month? On paper, it wasn't supposed to work out, but at the end of the month, it worked. I want to tell you, I don't know where that money comes from other than the Lord. Some of you have physical needs that you're going through. You have physical needs that, that you need attended to, and you're, you're crying out to the Lord. So you, you begin by thanking Him. You begin by confessing, and then you're making supplication for your needs. And then also, you'll start interceding on behalf of others. First Timothy, I exact, therefore, ex exhort, therefore... That first of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now you start praying for one another. Whew, is this important? Start praying for others in this, in this congregation. Start praying for others' needs. We have your deacons. Everybody has a deacon on call. They should have already reached out to you and, and or maybe even a couple of times and they're praying for you. Share your prayer request with them. They want to know so that they can pray for you. As you're praying for one another, text them. Call them. Hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you today. I want to intercede on your behalf today. I want to encourage you that somebody's praying for you, somebody's thinking about you today. And you begin to lift one another up and pray for these people and watch God answer these prayers. It's not just praying just to be praying, but you're praying on their behalf. And not only this, we see this. Spend time in meditation. So as, you're, as, you're, as you've talked to him, now you're communing. You're, you're, what are you thinking about? God, I want to think about your character. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate you in the watches. He's meditating on the Lord. What has he done? He's talking about the character of God. But not only this, you're going to think about and meditate about his wonderful works in his creation. Psalm 77, I will meditate on your work and your deeds and thanksgivings. Listen to me. Think about what God has done in your life. Kendall and I have had this conversation multiple times. He says, I just don't believe in coincidences. He said, this has got to be the Lord. 
It's got to be his hand. All these things cannot happen like this in order and it not be God. And as you're sitting there, you're saying, God, thank you for this. I want to challenge you. When you have that moment, write it down. I believe that's the only reason Noah built the ark. Because he had those moments. I don't know if he carved them into a rock. But he had those moments and he revisited them. And that's why that man built the ark. Because other than that, it doesn't make sense to me. He had to know that God was faithful. God, you've been faithful here and here and here. And I remind my daughter that often when she calls and she has this pressure on her. And I say, was God faithful to you here and here and here? Yes, daddy. Yes, daddy. Yes, daddy. Then why don't you think he's going to be faithful now? Is he going to be faithful now? Yes, because this is his character. This is who he is. He can't deviate from this. It's who he is. Not only this, things that are praiseworthy. Woo. It's all the conversations going on around us. It's negative right now, isn't it? It's negative. And you walk away from some of these conversations and you feel like this. How many of you just turn off the news because you're just tired? You're tired of the negativity. And they're just reporting the news. It's what's going on in our world. Here, also written from prison, right? Philippians 4. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he says, keep these things in your mind, being positive. I'm not talking about positive thinking here necessarily, but I'm just saying, think on the things that are good, that are praiseworthy, because it's going to affect your attitude and your mission. It's going to affect your overall health. He says, think on these things. Be praiseworthy. This is what God has done. This is who his character is. I cannot wait to see what he does through all of this. But not only this and last some of you are like, mm, I don't know about this. It's praise God in song. Some of you love to sing, and you sing very well. It's, it's kind of funny riding down the road, and people are singing to the radio. They don't know nobody's watching them, right? They're just having at it. Some of you are, turn on your radio, and, you're, and this Christian music is being poured into you. It is Christian when it's biblical, okay? That's how we'll put it. But a natural response to a joy in the heart is singing. Is anyone among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is anyone merry? Let him sing psalms. I was standing in um, an elevator uh, about, probably about six weeks ago at a hospital, and I was, you know, just humming. I didn't, I mean, I, it wasn't loud. And the lady looked at me, she said, man, you must be having a great day. And, and I, I realized, because there was another person in there, and I looked and I said, ma'am, oh, sir, you must be having a great day. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, why? And she said, because you're humming. And I was like, wow, that's how she contributed to me having a great day. It's because what? I was merry in my heart, right? That's what she's saying. He says, if anybody's afflicted, let him pray, but not only this, sing psalms. 
Sing, making melody in your heart. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You're talking to God through prayer, through praise, by listening, by meditating on His Word. Here are just some ideas for you to put into place. How do I do this, Chris? What does God say about having a daily devotion? Oh, He says a lot. And throughout the day is pouring in your mind things that are trustworthy, things that are praiseworthy, the songs that are praiseworthy. And you're going to notice a difference in your spirit. You're going to notice a difference in your home. You're going to notice a difference with your coworkers. And by the way, they are not going to be the ones changing. It's going to be us. As Bob prayed Wednesday night, he said, let's start a revival, but let it start with me. You want revival? It starts by drawing near to God. Facing the giants did the best job of the man praying, walking down that hall, touching those lockers, and kids' lives were changed. That is what's going to change through the Holy Spirit moving in upon our lives. This is the last part of this. I'm not going to revisit this again. I'm just challenging you. It's time we get into the Word. And here are some ways that we can do this. The Bible teaches it. If you want a life that is led by living out this Christianity, how do we do this? How do I get victory in my life? It's clear. Don't neglect the power, the sword, that divides the heart and gets to the very depths of the soul. And Father, we love you today. We thank you for this time. God, I thank you for your works. I thank you for your deeds. I thank you for your creation. I thank you, God, for this congregation. I thank you for putting me in the position that you have. God, I thank you for that. My heart is overwhelmed with how you blessed. I think about this all the time. Why? Why are you doing this? I'm not worthy. But then you remind me, but my son is. Because I don't see you, I see my son. And God, I know that I fail you each and every day. Lord, I want to pray for wisdom. I want to pray for administration skills that that I handle what I'm supposed to handle correctly. But also I pray for these folks that are around us. I pray for their, the sicknesses that are going on in their families right now. There's those that are dealing with financial issues. There's those that are dealing with uh, their children. And they're, and they're burdened with their kids. They're burdened with their grandkids. They're, they live each day as they see them going down a path they shouldn't. I pray for these marriages in here that you would strengthen them. And I pray for those in here that are, that are still not yet a believer. I pray that you would draw them. And you would call them out of darkness into a light through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.